y'all. Welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I am your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. This is one of our worth repeating episodes, which is basically an edited down, republished conversation with an amazing speaker from the past. Today, you get to hear from life speaker, gospel champion, author, podcaster, mom, Jess Connolly. Hey, Jesse. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad that you are here. And just so people that don't know you yet, can you introduce them to your family and where you live real quick? Absolutely. Did that sound like a good podcast voice? Absolutely. <laughs> Yes, you win. Yes, good. Okay, good. My name is Jess Connolly, and I live in Charleston, South Carolina. I have four wonderfully wild kids. They're so wild. And I have one very sweet and handsome pastor husband. He's a church planter. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Four kids. Four kids. Those crazy people with four kids. Well, I... I don't know if y'all follow Jess on the Instagrams or on her site. When I found you, I think Kat had had reposted or said something about you were in the morning writing what God was kind of teaching you from your quiet time. And I think She Reads Truth was just kind of coming around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't quite a full thing yet. And and I just fell in love with your heart for Jesus Aww. and that you love Jesus and that you were just really good at writing about oh my what he was teaching you. You were, you still are, you were, and you still are. But I know that you have done, gone through a lot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Very much so. <laughs> and, and some people may look in and be like, oh, that Jess, she um, and does it all. And she's just so beautiful. And her kids are so cute. And that hunky husband. <laughs> Which, oh my god! Which, are we going to talk about this? I totally embarrassed him. <laughs> I know we're going to have to talk about it because it's my favorite story to tell about you. Whenever anybody says Heather, I'm like, oh, I, I get a huge smile, and then I'm like, I have to tell you a funny story. You can tell it now, and then we'll go back to what <laughs> we're going to talk about. <laughs> you want to tell your version because mine. I don't. Mine think, I don't super. I remember my Jesse probably exaggerated version. Okay, but like my husband—he's super handsome. He is. He's very handsome. And we're one of those couples that you look at and you're like, "How did that work out?" <laughs> no, that's not true. But he's super handsome, but he is also incredibly modest and incredibly shy mm-hmm. and incredibly awkward around women. And so, just—he's a good, you know, pastor with boundaries. He does a lot of side hugs and fist bumps instead of like. Oh, hey, girl. Um, so I don't even, I though I told somebody this story the other day, and I explained that I think we were, you and I were very tired. Yeah. And we were having a very emotionally vulnerable conversation. Well, so we, you and I were at deep, deep, deep friend level. Yeah. I, I, I think we were just at that opening speaker dinner. Were we? Yeah. <laughs> I think I just met you. That's how good it was. Well, that's how, I, to me, it felt we were very vulnerable and close. To okay, him. well, good, good. But okay. in some way, shape, or form, you, comment on, you commented on him being handsome. Uh-huh. And I think I, I said he was hot. Yes. He was hot. <laughs> I said, you have to tell him that. Or I think I, I just said it right to his face. We're sitting there, and I go, well, you're cute. Are you hot? Like, right to his face. 
which is literally his worst nightmare. And when I told someone the other day, they were like, wait, that it make you feel weird. And I was like, listen, I'm not like loosey goosey with my husband, but because I know you and I know your heart, I, it was just hilarious and funny. And it was no filter was on because I was about to host a conference. Right, exactly. Yeah. And you know I know what that's like. You have no filter. You're just saying whatever you think. And to me, it was literally the funniest thing that had ever happened because it made him uncomfortable. And that is pretty much my life's goal after loving the Lord. Just <laughs> love Jesus, make Nick a little bit uncomfortable. So, Well, I'm glad I could provide that. I still, so now I will still say, oh, Heather, that has a crush on Nick. Like, just to make <laughs> him uncomfortable. <laughs> and it just, you know, just... It just boosts his ego as it, much as it I helps. Can. It helps. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. And you guys are so young. I think I see y'all as like this cute, these like young people. They're just these cute little young people, you know. I don't like, know what drugs you're on or what ice cream you think I'm using, but I do not feel that young. Oh, but I, sister chick, you're young. So you're doing all this stuff. And from the outside, everyone's like, man, she's got it all together. And, but then you're really real. You really honestly share your heart and your struggles and your insecurities. And even at our conference, you openly shared a lot of your backstory and your hard things and just growing up and a home and how you found Jesus. And so I don't know what part of that you want to share with our listeners, but I'm just opening up the conversation if you want to share just for anyone who's like, just goes to your Instagram stream and they're like, oh, she's perfect. I'm so glad. I can't relate to her. I'm very glad you say that. And, you know, I think I've told you this before that when I introduced myself, I would, I wish I could introduce myself with this because yeah, I don't want people to see the end result and think, Oh, that's tidy. Um, (laughs) But yeah. So, I mean, very shortest story. I grew up in a single parent home. My mom like very literally did the best she could with what she had and just fought tooth and nail to raise us well. But from a really young age, I I lived a really sinful life. I was exposed to, you know, sex and drugs and, and like addictions from an early, really early age and, and really exposed, meaning I did them, not like I saw other people do them, but I was doing those things. And just, I, I met Jesus when I was 14 and I say, I think I did like a lot of hard living until I was 14. So just sad things, you know, that I was, I was a part of until then. And then when I met Jesus at 14, I had just a really genuine life changing experience where I kind of surrendered and said like, all right, I give up on my way. I'll try your way. But I didn't know any believers. And so I was still living this really sinful life. Mm. And felt really trapped by my addictions and who I was and who I thought I was. And so I entered into my first heavy season of depression when I was 14, right after becoming a believer, attempted suicide twice, mm. put my family through just a lot of heartache and a lot of hard stuff. And then switched churches, met my husband, life got, I met my husband who was in my boyfriend when I was 16 and, and life got like a little tidier. And I spent the next five or six years really just trying to fit into the mold of what a Christian woman should look like. So that for me ended up looking like eating disorders and, Mm. you know, just serving my face off and trying to work for my spot at the table and, just trying to look as tidy as I could and fit in all these different molds of what I thought a woman should look like based off of what other people around me thought it should look like. And then 
the Lord saw fit to give us three kids in three years. And I had never planned to be a mom, never wished to be a mom. So I was kind of felt trapped by, oh, now I am a mom to three very little kids who I don't, I don't really know how to raise. I don't know what I'm doing. And that just, all of that led to another huge breakdown in my early twenties when my, when my, when my babies were baby babies and struggled with depression and suicide um, attempts again for another, another hard year there. And in the midst of that, my husband was, you know, going to seminary, pursuing ministry and knew at that time he felt called to plant a church. But my struggle with mental illness and just with life in general kind of continued to disrupt his attempts to do And because of that, he just had all kinds of financial problems. So we lived in poverty for two years, just literal, actual poverty and just really, really struggled. And out of all of that, somehow the Lord had me blogging. So I was kind of blogging from that. And then from that, I was, I was, when I was walking through kind of the healing process from depression, was putting scripture all over my house and realized like, oh, it might be nice if I made this look prettier. Mm-hmm. So I made what turned out to be a scripture print, which I never I didn't have any design skills. I didn't have any business skills. But I was like, I'll just put this pretty on paper, put it on my wall. And a friend was like, you should sell that. And so from that started our business, Naptime Diaries. And and then the Lord just kind of started rolling things in a different direction. He just kind of turned the page. And out of that came more ministry opportunities. And and my husband became ordained. And we moved to, to help plant one church. And things started rolling better. And then we moved to Charleston to plant our own church. And so, yeah, I always just feel this heavy burden when people look in and see like, oh, writing a book, running a business you know, have employees and a nanny. And I want to say like, yeah, but I remember four years ago, five years ago when we were like scraping our car for quarters mm-hmm. and, you know, all we had was like each other and that didn't feel like enough and like really just Jesus. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's the real picture. And I honestly, like, I feel like I very much still live in the grip of grace. Like I feel like he can take any of this. He can take the business. He can take the ministry you know, I've learned he can take my kids. And and at the end of the day, like he was all that I ever had that was good. And he's all that's good about it right now. So yeah, that's my real story. <laughs> and it's like, you say it, you just keep going through the details, like, you know, addictions, attempted suicide, right. eating disorders. I mean, and we have these labels for these things, but there's like so many layers of pain and hurt and sure, yeah. and hardness and even gets to the point where you can say it out loud where it doesn't yeah. have power over you yeah. is a huge deal. And so what if there's a gal listening right now and she's in the midst of one of those. She's in yeah. the midst of an addiction. She's in the midst of a depression that where she may have already attempted, is considering attempting suicide. That, yeah. mom, that one who's struggling with the eating disorder, like what advice would you give to her in in the midst of that to help her move forward? Here are some things that I would say. Number one, I would say that it's like a lie from the enemy that you are always going to feel this way. Hmm. And that was a huge first hurdle for me. The day I finally in my 20s recognized and said I struggle with depression. That was the big that was the biggest thing that I had to I had to believe a shred of fruit that I could actually feel better. 
Mm. that like if it would be God's will for me to actually feel better. And when I talk to women and when I kind of counsel them, I find that is the recurring theme in women who are struggling is that they believe like, I'm always going to feel this way or I'm, this is who I am, or this is just how it is. Mm. Um, I really do believe that, that God died on the cross that we would have abundant life. And so not that we can fix it and not that we can snap ourselves out of it and not that we can pretend that it doesn't exist, but that we can believe that there's hope and there's healing. So I would say with everything and you try to hold on to a shred of belief that he does want that for you. And that one day, even if it's not today, you would feel better. I would say number two, ask for help, ask for help, ask for help, ask for help. And sometimes you have to ask for help over and over again. And sometimes you go to, sometimes you have to ask someone else. I think the first few people that I really kind of started to share with, I think I might struggle with depression. And these were people who even knew that I had had suicide attempts in my past. But the first few people I told, I'm, I'm struggling with depression. The first thing they said back to me was, I think you're just tired. I think you have three little kids and you're just tired. And I didn't know how to say to them, I don't think tired makes you want to end your life. Mm. I don't think that's the same thing. And so sometimes that you have to go, you have to go to the right people. Sometimes you have to tell people like, I need help. And this is the exact help I need. Sometimes you have to say, I don't know the kind of help I need. (laughs) Can someone help me? You know, Mm -hmm. Um, but ask for help, ask for help, ask for help. I posted this on Instagram the other day. I'm not sure if you saw the picture of my son. Did you see the picture of my son, Cannon, carrying his scooter? Yes. That was So, so good. I felt like that was such a picture the Lord just showed me. This is what you do. And I shared this picture of my son carrying his scooter. He's two. He is thinks he's very strong. We live <laughs> half a mile from the park and he cannot scoot the whole way to the park on his scooter because he's only two. Right. But he refuses to let anyone else carry the scooter or push him in the scooter. So he picks up his scooter with all of his two-year-old strength and he carries it. Well, that makes what would be a five-minute walk to the park 20 minutes long because he has to stop and put it down every three steps. But he refuses to let anyone help him. And I felt like the Lord just immediately brought to my mind every conversation I've had with a woman. And every time I've said myself, I don't want to be a burden or I just don't want anyone to have to help me. I don't want anyone to have to take the time to help me. I don't want people to have to stop what they're doing to take me to count. I don't want to have to ask someone else to watch my kids. I don't want to have to ask someone to go to this appointment with me. I don't want to have to be the one who has to tell my friends that I'm sad. I don't want to take their time. I should be stronger. I'm, I'm their leader. I'm the mom. I'm the friend. And all we are doing is taking longer to get to the park. Yeah. When we could just say, could you help me? We, we'd all be playing a lot quicker, you know? Yeah. We just let somebody else carry our scooter for a minute. If we just said, I need a little bit of help. So that is such a good analogy. And I can attest. I mean, I don't know if you've even shared this with you, but after my fourth, I had serious. Okay. It's tricky when you're an extrovert. Depression looks different. Mm. It looks different. I'd be so curious to hear what it looks like. It's like a normal person. Like a normal person who maybe doesn't return phone calls, maybe doesn't want to hang out every single time an invitation is extended. That's an extrovert depressed. Okay. But it doesn't look like depression, so nobody offers help. Yeah. So you really have to get over yourself, and you really have to recognize, I don't feel like myself. Yeah. But you're still saying, you're still doing going through all the motions and keeping up the facade, but you're totally knowing inside that you're a depressed version of yourself. 
Yeah. Wow. And it's not like the curled up in the corner, not forgetting to feed your children yeah. level. Yeah. There's no red flags to the outside world. Really. I mean, there are people that know you really, really, really well. Like I had a couple of friends. There were one gal I remember specifically came up to me in church and she said, you are different and I have been there and what can I do to help? And that is so huge. Good. Be that person. If you see that that your friend that you know is is not behaving like themselves, yeah. start the conversation because they may have too much going on in their own head to do that, to take the time to do that, or even not take the time, like take the gut, the, the guts to do that. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. That's good. Okay, so that was two. Ask for help, ask for help, ask for help. What's three? Ask for help. Okay, let me say three. Okay, three, I would just say, this is, I mean, this is for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would just say intimacy with the Lord. So one day this gal was talking to me and she was telling me, when I read the Bible, I'm just, I'm confused and I have all these doubts and I have all these things. And I finally was like, listen, real talk. Or do you mean when you think about reading the Bible or do you mean when you read the Bible? Mm. And she was like, when I think about reading the Bible. Mm. And I was like, right. Because intimacy with the Lord, real intimacy with the Lord is so available to us. And it doesn't feel great all the time, and especially in a season when you're showing depression. But I find that so many women say no for the Lord. They go ahead and say no for him on behalf of him and say, oh, he's not there. Or, oh, he won't be close. Or, oh, I won't feel him. Or, oh, that won't help. But I mean, I don't think it's like a Jesus juke to say, if if you are struggling with depression, I'm not joking. It's the last thing you're going to want to do, but you're going to have to talk to the Lord. And you are going to have to read the Bible. And I don't mean in a passive way. I mean, you're going to probably have to open it up first thing in the morning and get weird and walk around your house and pray it out loud. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to probably talk to him as you're driving in the car. And when your kids are melting down, you're going to probably have to put your apron over your head in the kitchen and just say out loud, Jesus, I need you here right now. Help me, Father. I need you here. So I would just say I'd be so lacking if I didn't say, just talk out loud and make sure you're actually reading the word, not thinking about reading the word and not reading what other people have to say about the word, but getting your eyes and your heart on the healing thing that is the word of God. That's good. That's really good. And, and I think we have to recognize that this is a battle that's we can't see. Yes. yes. And especially yeah. you think about the timing of some of your depression, you just became a Christian, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and Satan knows when someone's going to do some awesome stuff. Yeah. And he's going to discourage you immediately. Yeah. You yeah. have those children. Your husband's about to want to go become a pastor. It's back. Right. Yes, exactly. And when you want to tell every woman you know who says they're struggling, hey, mighty woman of God. That's what I want to say. Oh, then you're a target. Yes. Woo, high five. Yeah. Do you think the enemy messes with the ones who aren't threats? No, he doesn't need to. No, he doesn't no. need to. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't. And so, so a friend was saying, when we pray, those words go straight to the throne and Satan can't touch them. Once they're out of our mouths, those prayers, they go straight to God's ear and Satan cannot touch them. That's so good, yeah. And we need to take advantage of that. You're saying praying out loud in the car, praying scripture back to God. It doesn't have to be this hard, complex, get out your Greek and your Hebrew yes. dictionaries and 
know what every word actually means. I mean, just call out, cry out, right? Yes. Yes. So good. That's, those are, those are really good tips. I, I love that you said count fruit. Yes. What yes. God is doing. Count the fruit. Count the fruit. Don't lay on your pillow at night and do the guilt gut punch oh. of, I messed this up. I messed this up. No. Compare, compare. Yeah. I think that really, cause that's God's doing something in your kids. He's doing stuff. Oh, ditto, ditto, ditto. And I just, yeah, I just wish I could give all the moms just a huge, a huge hug and a high five and say like, it's going to be great. You're doing great. You're doing great. If you're listening to God Centered Mom podcast, you're doing awesome. (laughs) Yeah. No, I was, I was thinking the other, actually this morning, I think I saw a commercial for some mom and baby thing. And I was like, okay, I've been doing this gig for a decade. I should have some advice, right? Like, I should kind of be able to tell a new mom what to do and what not to do. And then I thought, you know what I think I would tell her? Like, God's going to teach you a bunch of stuff. Yes. And it's going to be specific for you. And there's things you are going to have to grow in that I didn't have to grow in and things I had to grow in that you don't have to grow in. So just lean into him and trust that he's taking you someplace and it's going to be uncomfortable. (laughs) It's going to be uncomfortable. Those early years are just going to push you to places you've never been pushed and stretch you in ways you've never been stretched and it's going to be good Yeah, and it's going to be hard and it's going to be so much better if you're leaning into him instead of fighting it and carrying the scooter, you know? Hey, Amen. Don't carry the scooter. <laughs> that needs its own print. It needs its own print. Don't <laughs> carry the scooters, moms. You're doing so good. You're doing so good. Well, thanks. I love thanks. having you on. We'll have to have you on again because that's fun. Thank you so much. Thanks, y'all, for listening to this episode. I hope you agree that it was worth repeating. Make sure you check out Jess Connolly and all that she's doing now since this episode recorded. She has released several books, a new one coming out, Glory Girl, for girls to be reminded of their purpose and value and how their gifts can be used by God to serve him and bring him glory. If you're a mom who does not want a mom alone, I invite you over to our Patreon community. We have a couple options and one is our insider group. You can be a don't mom alone insider. Starting in 2021, our insider group is going to be working through Strengths Finder. Strength Finders is basically a tool that often employers will use or different companies will use to figure out people's wiring. How Did God make them? There are 34 different strengths and you take a test to determine the order of those strengths for you. So my husband is a strength finder coach and he's going to walk us through the 101 and how it impacts our marriages, our parenting, our careers, how we spend our time and just get to know ourselves better. I don't know about you, but I really want to make the most of my time. So join us over at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. T-R-E-O-N.com slash don't mom alone. Choose the insider option if you want to be a part of that strength finder. If you just want to be a cheerleader, we love that. If this content has helped you, that is so huge to help support our team produce these shows. All right. I hope you all have a fantastic week. I will see you back here for another worth repeating episode. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. 
Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.